0: I'm Father Ron Shibley, Rector at St. John Chrysostom Anglican Church, the host parish of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to the final part of our homily series, The War on Christianity. In Part 4, the focus is on what can be done to protect both yourself as a Christian and the church universal as an institution against the ravages of the modern world's secular reality and from certain multicultural practices based upon the mistaken idea that all religions are of equal value. I promised in previous weeks to address what this parish, including its internet ministry and you personally, can do to protect the church and advance the Christian faith. As I noted in other episodes, I believe that one of the reasons The church is so vulnerable is that it has stopped teaching its own people the beliefs of the traditional church. This has had the effect of leaving the laity unprepared to defend the faith when it is assaulted, whether in the political or social arena. There is an old saying, if you believe in nothing you will fall for anything. If the church itself does not teach its own people on a regular basis, then why should any of us be surprised that Christians cannot hold their own in arguments or discussions about the church? I read an article recently in the Washington Post in which the writer complained that too many of the sermons he heard at churches in the Washington area were about doctrine instead of about being about the poor and the suffering, social justice, the perils of the age, and so forth. Regrettably, the current pot at Rome seems headed towards a de-emphasis on fixed beliefs and an increase in emphasis on social issues. I predict that this will lead the Roman Catholic Church down the very same road which the Church of England and its Episcopal Church brand in the United States went. The idea was that in abandoning doctrinal emphasis, they would increase their membership. In fact, the opposite happened. Church enrollment not only fell, it plunged. Now the Episcopal Church USA is down to its lowest number of members ever having fallen from a peak of somewhere around 6 million to somewhere well short of 1 million, a half a million by some counts, by an optimistic counting. Other denominations have made the same decision and gotten the same result, falling attendance. Today we have a church membership in nearly any denomination and not just among Episcopalians and Anglicans that cannot, if called upon, explain even the most basic belief of the church. In too many cases, people will avoid a discussion of religion rather than put forward a defense of the faith. In too many cases, people have brought into the argument that all religions are of equal value and therefore must be given equal credence. As I noted in Parts 2 and 3, the Islamists have noticed Wherever they look, they see weakness. They see a society in which there are no fixed principles, no beliefs which can be absolutely accepted. Just recently, with the violence at the Washington Navy Yard, you could hear media people speculating about what motive the shooter may have had. Nobody put forth an argument that there are people who are evil or at least are driven by their actions by what the church once called evil spirits in our course on christian spirituality a couple of years ago i said that the basis basis of the teaching of christian spirituality was the recognition of two realities the existence of evil in the world on the one hand and the reality of the christian faith of the truth of the christian faith as the only antidote If we're to restore the Christian faith, the starting point must be acceptance of these two realities. There are many, especially in the more liberal denominations, but also among former traditionalists, who teach that there is no devil and no Satan. An Episcopal bishop from Virginia taught his flock that there was no temptation of Christ in the wilderness, as described in the Gospels of St. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Evil, they say, is just a reflection of social, economic, or political conditions. Advocates of these views seem to believe that all the problems of mankind could be solved if we would just spend more taxpayer money on them. I suggest to you that this view is completely wrong. I suggest that what is happening in our society is precisely because society has become depersonalized institutionalized in such a nature that individual moral choices are more difficult to make exactly because the institutional players including some clergymen and most government welfare agencies stand in the way making individual improvement by individual effort the least likely of all possible outcomes. These people These are people who, as I have noted many times from this pulpit, who worship creation but cannot bring themselves to acknowledge the Creator. What is needed is a return to the unqualified belief that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son into the world to give his own life in propitiation for our sins since Adam and Eve when they defied God's specific instruction and ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We must begin once again to teach our children and our friends and our families that we are not automatically the product of a flawed nature. We must return to the teaching that we have by the grace of God inside each of us the power and the knowledge to decide between right and wrong actions. This is what St. Paul called conscience. He believed that we are all born with a conscience and we need to make each of our decisions, whether that be how we treat each other or how we raise our children or how we run our businesses. We must restore our faith in Jesus' bold statement, which is called the Summary of the Law and which is used each Sunday in our Holy Eucharist liturgy, which reads, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Accepting that declaration as a defining reality of our world is essential to rebuilding the church as a force in the world. When we have come to accept that statement as the defining reality, we can more convincingly say the words of the Lord's Prayer and the Nicene Creed, the former of which tells us how to pray and the latter of which tells us the ancient truths of the Christian faith. Neither document has any qualifying phrases. There is no clause in the Nicene Creed which says that we believe a particular statement conditionally It does not ask us to say that we believe that the Son of God will come again to be our judge unless somebody we fear or somebody whose opinion we respect or someone from another religion has a different view or holds no religious views at all. You as an individual can address the assault on the church by attending church on a regular basis always saying aloud the words of the Nicene Creed and pondering their meaning and asking for guidance if you do not understand something. You can address this by using the lectionary readings to advance your knowledge of Scripture or by watching our online Bible study courses. You can address this by asking for personal counseling whenever you feel there is some aspect of belief that you do not understand. You can address the issue by inviting people you know to join us for services on Sunday. Finally, you can address the issue by being willing, unreservedly, to let others know you are a Christian and to prove it in your daily life by doing what St. Paul suggested, loving one another, doing right by one another, living by the commandments, applying the skills you possess to do the right thing, and not look for ways to avoid taking a position. Finally, I want to let you know what we as a parish are going to be doing. First, beginning with the start of the new church year on the first Sunday in Advent, we will hear in this pulpit and through our internet ministry at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net and our YouTube channel. Our Sunday homilies will feature discussion of a moral or theological issue based upon traditional church doctrine rather than simply elaborating on the actual appointed reading for the day. Second, in coming months, the Anglican Internet Church's YouTube channel will offer a new series on Christian spirituality in two parts of five episodes each. Part one, Seeing the Face of God, the seeing in quotation marks, We'll explore the concept of Christian spirituality, including its roots in the Eastern Church, as well as its practical and theoretical applications in the worship and prayer in the Western Church. I believe that a deeper understanding of the concept is essential if the material which will be offered in Part 2 of the series is to be effective. Part two, Put Not Your Trust in Princes, will explore the corrupted nature of modern life, including obsession with self, instant gratification, overemphasis on acquiring wealth and the symbols of wealth, and the rejection of Christian values as they are applied in everyday life. Topics will include development of personal prayer habits, the acquisition of knowledge and the beliefs of the church, which are necessary in order to make a convincing case or in presenting one's beliefs to others, and learning to become an evangelist in one's daily life. My closing prayer is a morning prayer written in the 17th century in England by the Blessed Lancelot Andrews based upon, in order, Psalm 65, verse 2, 55, 18, 91, 11, 25, 3, and 94, 18 with his own words added as connections. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and thou shalt hear my voice. Grant unto me, O Lord, so to pass this day in thy holy service, that the submission of my obedience may be well-pleasing unto thee. Give thine angels charge over me to keep me in all thy ways. Shew me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Order my steps according to thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. Put into my mouth words honest and well chosen, that my conversation and my countenance, my walk and all my works may be pleasing unto all men that see and hear me, that I may find grace in all that I say and seek. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen.